And you're listening to Fashion Africana Podcast. And today I'm speaking to Buki and Cherie. Buki is a wonderful designer, sustainable designer based here in Berlin. Cherie runs a platform called Sustainable Fashion Matters. But I think Cherie can give us a brief about what she's doing. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I run a platform Sustainable Fashion Matters, which uh, is a solution-focused platform where we um, highlight people uh, behind solutions in the fashion industry. I guess that's how I would put it, um, as well as doing campaigns around certain subjects in fashion. Um, fashion Revolution, we usually do a campaign every year, and um, we recently did one about water and fashion. Um, so... Yeah. I, I, should I go into more things that Thank I Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> just for you out there, we're here sitting together in a beautiful space. We're right here in Berlin and we're in this beautiful location. Uh, it's amazing. Buki, please give us an insight about yourself. Hi, thanks. Uh, first, thank you for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, I'm Buki Akumulafa. Um, the founder of the brand, which is called Bukia Kumulafe as well. I founded the brand four years ago, and um, it's a brand that, um, yeah, I built bridges between two different worlds, um, <clears throat> which um, shows a cross-cultural identity. That's yeah. also my own identity. And... Um, what I do is um, I only do one collection a year that's different Great. compared to other brands and um, because that's my approach to change the fashion system. Great. Why, why did you decide to, to become a sustainable fashion designer? What was your goal or was there a moment where you realized, no, in this world I'm living, I, I think I need to change also my behaviors and I need to pay more attention to the environment or what was it? I think it was always in my mind to start my own business, but it wasn't so clear when I finished my studies. And um, when I did my final um, collection, I was inspired or I was writing a thesis about um, a group in Senegal and um, that was the first time when I could express myself with my identity. And then I realized that that's a really important topic for me to express my identity and the cross-cultural identity and of people in the diaspora. And um, <clears throat> also to focus on sustainability at the same time. Um, and then um, I realized that there are not many fashion designers um, working in this field, especially in Germany, that there's like no black women yeah. creating fashion and um, sustainable fashion, yeah. especially sustainable yeah. fashion. Mm. Yeah, so um, it was actually the only thing I could do because um, I wanted to do fashion, but I didn't like the system. Yes. yes. Um, so... <laughs> I decided to do it and um, to start to be the change as well. Wow. <laughs> Cherie, um, after you working in fast fashion for some time, what was it that caused you to quit and pursue sustainable fashion? How was it for you to get yourself started with sustainable fashion matters? Well, where do I start? I think... Uh, when I quit, in, in quotation marks, when I quit, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't really that I quit fast fashion, but I think uh, I'd studied fashion design as well. Um, and then I worked as creative director for a fast fashion brand. And, um, and then I quit there after three and a half years. And uh, before I even worked there, I already was 
cared a lot about like high quality materials and making like a valuable product. Um, so actually working in fast fashion was just something I saw as my job, my work, my way to make money and not as uh, my, my purpose. Um, and just through my work there, seeing what it kind of meant to be doing that, seeing how many returns we would have and how, much, how we would, things that had like little uh, flaws, how we couldn't get rid of them and nobody wanted to have them and just like basically creating trash. That was the <laughs> feeling that I yeah. had at some point. And it felt so in contrast to how I actually viewed clothing, where I think there's like good materials make such a difference in mm. in what you wear and how it feels to wear it and how they last and um, just the relationship you end up creating with your items when you have something that just feels amazing to have on your skin or wearing a unique piece. And then I just reached a point where I thought that I can't uh, live in this, um, yeah, con contradiction anymore yeah and then I um well there was some like events leading up to it I guess um but one thing for example I hadn't watched the true cost when it came out because when I saw the trailer I was like yeah. if I watch this I'm not going to be able to do my job anymore but just I don't, to give us an uh, insight Yeah. The trailer you're talking about, what was it called? Ah, yeah, The True yeah. Cost. So The True Cost is a movie. Have you both seen it? Yes, I've seen it. I'm sorry. Beatrice, you have to <laughs> watch it. Yeah. You have to. I will. The True Cost is a movie that has changed like the way a lot of people uh, perceive fashion and the way they consume it and really takes you into like what is going wrong in the fashion industry. I mean, the film came out in, I think, 2012 or so. Okay. I think 2014. Or 2014. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. After 2000, the, 2014, uh, after, after Rana Plaza. Rana Plaza, yeah. all right. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was in the movie theaters as well, but, uh, yeah, I saw the trailer and was like, if I would watch this, I wouldn't be able to handle, keep doing my work, but then I don't know what else I should do. And so, uh, yeah, you're kind of stuck in this... Uh, Thing. And then at some point I was like, okay, I, I went on, I remember like the day before I quit, I went on to Greenpeace and I was just like sitting with like tears running down my face in front of my computer thinking, oh my God, I can't, I can't be part of this anymore. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So it had really a strong impact on you when you realized how how messy actually the fast fashion industry is yeah. operating and and you just decided to to make a difference and change i mean i think i it wasn't that i wasn't aware like i knew it but i hadn't seen it so clearly it was kind of like you know walking around with um covered eyes covered eyes blind. you're like mm -hmm. you know it's there but then also not really knowing how to do it better because I didn't really have like examples for myself um, which then also was part of starting sustainable fashion matters and photographing people who are make a difference to create these examples like not create these examples but show the examples of how you can do it better and mm. um, and yeah make it easier for other people who maybe don't know how to get out of their their fast fashion job to see ah, this could be a way to do it yeah And Buki, I mean, you saw the trailer, what we have just been talking of. For you, what, was it also like um, absolutely um, a must then also to not only be a sustainable fashion brand, but also to make sure that in your whole living, you are sustainable? Can you... Yeah, definitely. That's one important thing for me. But it was already important for me when I was young because... Um, My parents, they started an NGO in Nigeria that's focused on um, more agricultural. Um, but my father, he's teaching permaculture. So I already grew up with this sustainable mindset. Oh, right. Um, that's why it was always an important part for me in my life. Yeah. Where to buy my food and how to um, mm -hmm. try to live in balance with um, mm -hmm. yeah, nature. Um, and when I did my studies... That was already one thing I focused on. Yeah. Also, which kind of fabrics I use and 
Yeah, yeah, this is exactly the thing because what I sometimes um, see as a as a really big um, challenge for designers, like um, designers who want to produce in Africa and to access the German market. Buki, did you think of producing in an African country? Yes, Or I did. Yeah. How was your solution then? I didn't like up to now. I didn't find the perfect solution. That's the one thing I'm working on, because um, yeah, I definitely want to produce in Africa as well. I don't know if it's gonna be 100% of the production there, but that's one of my goals. Um, but when I started my label, it was pretty difficult to find companies that do production. I think now it's a little bit different because this, the market there is really changing and it's growing fast. Yeah. Um, but at that time when I started to do my research where to source my fabric and um, how to produce. Especially sustainable, right? Exactly. Since they are manufacturers, but the ones who are really absolutely eco Yeah, and also the quality, because for me one of the most important things is also the finishing of the garment. and like Yeah. I really focus on high-end production and that's even difficult to get it done here. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to check some small companies to produce, but yeah, it's a long process and a long time of research. Absolutely. But I will dive into it. <laughs> <laughs> and Cherie, I mean, since you're running the platform Sustainable Fashion Matters, um, What would you say um, from your perspective, um, what are also the challenges for, for designers who are producing in Africa who would like to access this market? Um, can you give us an insight? Um, I think you're actually the perfect person to ask that <laughs> question to. <laughs> I would like to But know what you you yeah, say. It's like it's like because I mean you you know the market here you know and and um, I mean for the designers of course um, they aim also for high end and high quality and um, since it's more a slow fashion based on um, economy in the fashion sector in most African countries. So I think it's like slow fashion is versing fast fashion. And I believe um, the brands do have quality these days. They do have and they're absolutely conscious also how they produce since um, we do not want to repeat what happened in Asia. But at one point, it's still a challenge for them to access a European market. And, and this is what maybe you can give an insight how how you also find it. I mean, for young brands here, it's also difficult. Since you're Buki, you're based here in, in Berlin, is. in Germany, and it's still also a challenge for you to access the market. And since you have a fast fashion background and you're now in the sustainable field, and or maybe, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like. Mm -hmm. It's hard for any brand to access the fashion market. Fashion industry is one of the most difficult industries to be successful in, especially if you don't have a large amount of money backing you up for um, mm. for marketing and whatnot. So I think it's generally a very difficult business. Then becomes even more difficult if the area of your uh, functioning, where you're producing, but also where your headquarters are and everything is outside of the market so if you're talking about the european market if it's not in europe yeah. that makes it harder again because you need to be able to go to europe to uh showcase your your pieces there and build your network there mm -hmm. um so i i'm kind of curious to know yeah. why is it so interesting or also yeah. if is it that interesting yeah. for <laughs> designers from africa so the ones you work with for example yeah. to set foot in the european market mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the market in africa yeah this is a pretty good question and um there there are different um aspects about it because um on one hand um It has also to do with, um, I would say, mindsets, mentalities, because we grew up in a world knowing that, okay, whatever comes from Europe, whatever comes from the US, it's hot. 
what comes from Africa, oh, better let it be where it is. So I would try just to give a brief, because this is a question I can't really also answer myself because I cannot speak for the whole continent. It's just me, my personal experience since I've been um, raised here in Germany of Ugandan origin and have been now in the field since nearly 10 years spoken to different designers and and understanding what is it um so on one hand it's absolutely hot to be on the european market and on the u.s market because um, it gives you also more value you know because in african countries sometimes um they also respect more an international brand than a local brand and this is now the mindset that is shifting because with the next generation they're focused on their market. They want to create their own market because they see this is the only way how we can cope um, in the future because we need to create our own brands. It's now about ownership. And this is so exciting. And this time is so exciting because you see the younger brands are operating differently than the older brands. And since this movement is still young, so we're not speaking of 50 years, we're just speaking of nearly when we talk about the contemporary African fashion movement coming up to 15, 18 years. And this is what we're talking of. So um, on one hand, yeah, it gives you more value in your own country when you're an international brand. And, and this is now where I'm stepping in, where me with my work, I'm also trying to educate um, younger brands by letting them know, hey, it's time to build your own industry. In Africa, we, we need to focus on our own markets because textile industry has been there. It has been there in the 60s. We had operational industry in Kenya. They were producing and all, all was happening. And, and this is also what I always try to say. It's not that it's now now happening because people are like, oh, okay, now finally we have contemporary African brands. They were there years before. It's just the focus wasn't on them. And the idea of Europe communicating contemporary African fashion, it was not working for them. We were talking of ethno fashion, just place it in the third world container, there's it. So it's it's absolutely new um, aesthetic we're seeing. And it's for the first time really um, global because um, in the 90s, we had already designers, Al-Fadi, he's one of the godfathers, I would say, Sulibé, who were here in Europe doing their thing, getting a little attention, but years later now, African fashion is right there, the interest is there. So, um, yeah, so your question is, it's a good one. And, and this, is, this is, from my perspective, uh, I don't know, Buki, if you experience it likewise or what would you yeah add? i would say it's yeah i have the same feeling yeah but i'm really happy that it's shifting now and that there's a yeah an own african identity and i think also the rest of the world is really keen on seeing what's happening there and that's yeah great yeah <laughs> I just raised my hand. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking that maybe this is also a point in sustainability to kind of realize that focusing on your local market, I mean, that's mm -hmm. much more sustainable than we're shipping stuff all over the place. Um, and I found it kind of interesting. I was at uh, Ukraine Fashion Week this year. Oh, right. And, um, and I also knew some designers who weren't exhibiting there, but like the big Ukrainian designers, they're also like in New York and Paris, and that's very important for them. They'd, at that point, they didn't take the Ukrainian Fashion Week as that... Um, yeah, that relevant, Seriously? important yeah. Yeah. to be it. But 
Um, yeah, but some of them, I spoke with them, one person who or Randall wasn't exhibiting there and was like, ah, maybe it does make sense to do it here after all, because then they also started inviting international mm -hmm. uh, guests, as myself, for example, and then to see that, ah, they are kind of focusing then more on building their own markets, and rather than going somewhere else, but inviting people from somewhere else to come to your fashion week. Oh, so right. I thought that was a... I'm, I'm very curious to see how that um, expands, but maybe we'll see something like that in the future. Yeah, because this is exactly the thing. What What's going to future going to bring? I mean, in your opinion, um, what solutions and activism might we see a rise of in the next few years from from the industry? What do you think? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Um, People are more and more aware, and um, I think like there definitely needs to be a change because we can't keep on um, yeah working like this. Um, and I think it's our responsibility as brands, as platforms, to raise awareness, to be more and more transparent, and um, to give people that are not aware an access to the sustainable fashion world. Yeah. Um, it's a long way. I think it will take a lot of time, but um, I have a yeah, <laughs> good feeling that it will change. Great. And Shiri, from your perspective? Um, well, you mentioned activism. Yeah. And what I definitely see in uprises in uh, activist brands, so no longer just being a sustainable brands, but actively like doing activistic activities. Um, uh, there's one brand, not a fashion brand right now because of, uh, but um, they make these drinking bottles and they um, use a lot of their revenue to make um, they they built like a bridge out of plastic in New York to okay. kind of resemble like all the plastic that's in the ocean and these kind of projects you see more and more brands doing or brands investing in uh, or not investing in but donating a certain percentage to yeah. NGOs which then again how activistic is that if it's just giving money or what but I think that we'll definitely see um, for the brands that are in the sustainable field, yeah. um, especially the ones that are a bit larger, we'll see more um, activism coming from them because mm -hmm. I think now it's becoming harder and harder to differentiate between, um, you know, real intentions or, or color yeah. washing, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, yeah. and that's kind of something you're where you can differentiate still. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So right. And actually, um, would you also say that the audience and the clientele for ethical fashion differs from that of mainstream fashion? Bookie or... Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think the question is... Um, I mean, it's a very, very... I think to answer that question could be very... Um, putting people into boxes. Oh, right. You know? so, and, and that's something I really don't like to do because I think it's also just because someone is working in fast fashion, it doesn't mean that that's what they stand for. There's so many reasons for why people do what they do. There's, you know, there's the, the fast fashion consumer that's just always wanting something new, maybe has a super stressful, like life is dealing with a lot of other um, issues where they just don't have like the where maybe fashion is their escape and they're just that's yeah. the one thing they do for themselves that's nice but then in another area they're extremely um, aware. yeah aware and fighting for something and I think that's something for us to as sustainable fashion advocates to keep in mind that this is a subject we're really um, aware about mm. and very passionate about but there's other subjects we're definitely not a specialist in and that are also very important. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, do, I, I definitely, I don't like to, to, to put yeah. put anyone in, in a box for that. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is like a Google search uh, for sustainable fashion has been like, I think it's like, 
the three times as much in the past five years as mm -hmm. before. And mm -hmm. so these are like indicators. There's definitely an increase in interest in, um, in the subject. Yeah. Or, yeah. And you, Puki, how, how would you describe these differences? Or can you describe it? I think it's a also a matter of education, actually, because um, what I realize, I also do workshops at schools, and that's one really important thing for me because there I really, I'm faced with, of course, the youth that is, they buy fast fashion because they start to um, yeah, create their own style and find their own identities. When I'm at schools and when I talk to young people, I really realize that I, as a person, as a designer with a different approach, can have a really great impact. Yeah. And that's also like coming back to the true cost of film. I always try to show the film. Wow. And mm -hmm. that really changes the mindset of the, the kids, the young, young people. And that's yeah. really, I think, that's one main thing that we should focus on because the youth is also the future and they yeah. can really try to change the mind yeah and, and also the consumer behavior yeah totally this is one point education this is exactly what i'm absolutely up for can you add to that i wanted to ask a question yeah. <laughs> you, because i was curious how uh, how old the children or teenagers are that you're talking mm -hmm. with because of fridays for future i feel like there there's been a change through that so i would mm -hmm. be very curious also how long you've been doing it if you've seen that there's been a difference Or it totally depends. Like I did <laughs> like long time workshops at the school. There were between I think 12 and 16. Okay. And now I do workshops. It's um, with an organization. They're focused on climate activism, uh, climate change. And um, there I've been to classes where the kids were 17. Some were 14. So it's always like between 12 and 17. Wow. And and are they? Do you realize that sometimes you go there and they're like, oh yeah, we totally know about this, and we're. It's really it depends <laughs> on the school. I, I was at one school this uh, last winter. They were totally into it, and then a few weeks later, I've been to another school, and they haven't even heard about secondhand clothing. So it's really interesting. Wow, you're teaching in schools in Germany, or yeah, I give it? workshops. Workshops, yeah, yeah, yeah you, the ones are in Germany. Okay. And they didn't know about secondhand. No, and that was really interesting. But they were really open-minded, so I I can really, um, yeah, I feel hope when I'm in classes. So sometimes I'm I was totally surprised that there were young boys that haven't heard of secondhand clothing at all. But they were so open and so curious and asking so many questions. So it's really it's great to do it. You know, and this is also another topic. Yeah, what what is the challenge for? made in Africa secondhand, how to cope with it, how to deal with it, and um, to give more and more um, yeah, information what it causes actually. And, and I believe, yeah, this, this exchange workshops, informational platforms um, absolutely needed. And um, Maybe Sheree, can you tell us also about your your work, like with Sustainable Fashion Matters? What do you do with the platform? Give us an insight about you know greenwashing. Um, yeah, so on Sustainable Fashion Matters, I think it kind of started now with um, Corona, and then uh, when the uh, the report from this year's fashion revolution came out, the transparency report. And then H&M had made a post saying we are the most sustainable brand in the world. And that was just like, well, that is not true at all. Um, so they'd wow. very much like misused uh, the outcome of this report and basically said it meant something totally different than it meant. Um, and so then we called them out on that and, um, Yeah, parallel to this, you have like brown washing, pink washing, rainbow washing. So Wow, so much to learn. That's why please get on Sustainable Fashion Matters yeah. to educate yourselves. Yeah, so now uh, we have like a bi-weekly column, um, always taking one, one happening or a posting or a statement from a brand as an example. And then that's analyzed to the extent of how 
how how much color washing it is. Yeah. Wow. This is so much um, information. That's why we, we even do not find enough time in this yeah. one hour to <laughs> tickle down everything. Yeah. But what I just want to add to is, it's like... Um, what what we should be aware of sometimes yeah you believe it's a fair brand it's it's you know eco-friendly but um if you look behind it you know what was the process you know and i think this is also something we really need to pay more attention to for you as a as a fashion brand book you're based here in germany can you maybe also tell us about your experiences here being a woman of of of, of african origin and and working in the fashion field here in Germany? What I realized, especially at the beginning when I started with my brand is, um, yeah, people, they always had like some picture in mind when they heard about like the term African fashion. And I didn't use the term at the beginning because I didn't like it because they put you in a box like, okay, this is African fashion for me. And I didn't use it at all, but other people used it when they described me and my brand. And I, I was... I didn't like it at the beginning, but then on a certain point, I started to use the term as well because I thought, okay, um, on that certain time, people had this idea of what African fashion is. So I, when I use the term, I can try to shift it and change the perception of what African fashion means today. Exactly. So now I'm using the term and also playing with this um boxes that people trying to put you in or put yeah. me in but I don't want to yeah, I'm not in any box yeah. so that's one thing um, you, you experienced yeah. yeah yeah. and now with the whole racism debate um, there's more attention Yeah, I haven't been there the last years um, what's great in a way but it's also sad that these kind of things had to happen yeah to, get more attention and be visible and be seen and heard as well. Absolutely. This is also how I how I see it. Like um this this whole movement we're in and um we are globally in it had to happen so mm -hmm. the society realizes what we are actually into and the structures And and this is um, somehow a pity, but on the other hand, yeah, it's it's a it's an opportunity for change. It's an opportunity to to look into the future and to make a difference. And this is what I like um, about your shift with the African fashion term, because this is also my approach. Mm -hmm. um, it's about us defining what African fashion is, and as long as it's not yet clear, we still can use it because it's 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 about us. What I mean, us, uh, Cherie, <laughs> it's about, you know, um, the movement that is from the kids from the diaspora and from creatives who are on the continent, because it's, 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 uh, it's a new era, you know. I mean, when you look into also the whole um, sustainable movement, at the beginning, people, they were like, oh, this is maybe this eco kind mm -hmm. of, you know, they were also not getting it and they're always, you know, only eating, I don't know, nuts or something, you know, mm -hmm. they had also a, a perception, they had, you know, a, a, a belief this is how it is and, and now it's getting more and more into their heads and and maybe from your point, uh, Cherie, what do you think supported this shift that we are not anymore um, or the sustainable movement is not seen as it was seen years before. Ooh. <laughs> I also want to know what you guys have to say <laughs> to this. Um, um, interestingly, I think one thing that has definitely supported it is actually the brands who are, you could say, are greenwashing and doing big campaigns using the words green, eco, and conscious um, or sustainable mm. because these brands that, you know, most people are just used to shopping with that they already trust and they know, when they start to use these words, then it's like, oh, this isn't such a, like, thing for, I don't know, uh, what's, yeah, like, Uh, nut eaters <laughs> nuts, nuts are great but um, this um, 
and yeah it's for everybody and i think that that actually does did play a big role mm. um in taking it out of the niche so yeah it's always a bit of a question so you have this greenwashing where you really have to like be careful that you know it's uh, like a trap you can fall into or it's misleading but at the same time sometimes that this happens does create um a shift in people's um oh, mindset mm. so yeah that's uh wow what about you Buki? <laughs> yeah i also think it's all it's um most of the time it's there when you look at the history of societies there's always different kind of movements and um you could like see that also in the art movement artists were more and more aware and started to create um, art pieces out of waste and also the climate movement so i think it's um in different parts the movement started and so the fashion industry was also there was no choice to um mm -hmm. keep on the old track and um yeah yeah that's where the shift also started there okay yeah and of course also the incidents in bangladesh with rana plaza i think that was one of the main um changing points also for the big mm. companies yeah yeah just for you out there rana plaza it was a manufacturer in bangladesh And the incident, it was just so horrible. I think it happened 2013. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I can't tell how many people died, but it was just awful. The whole manufacture just... Yeah, over 1,100 people died. Wow. And, and yeah, and big brands were producing in that manufacture. So I think this is also good for us to know because... This is something definitely in African countries should not happen. It should not be repeated. And um, therefore, um, I mean, we see Ethiopia mm -hmm. already on the forefront uh, being, uh, yeah, a spot for, for international brands. And um, I think it's just important to be aware it's, it's about a human also who is producing and this human has a story behind it and the fact um, that you um, decide to produce maybe now in an African country just because the labor is cheaper than in Asia um, that still doesn't make you a sustainable brand and, and this is something we need to point out and, and talk about it so to avoid that this uh, happens again and and we cannot be exploiting and, and using um, all the time without consequences. And as you said, Buki, historically, you know, there are different movements, there are different shifts of the society. And, and though we are here on Fashion Africa Now podcast, but it's all aligned together it's about society it's about movements it's about politics it comes together if we do not see it from all different perspectives i think we can't uh move yeah. and also this exchange you know i think um it's also pretty interesting to understand how how it is for a designer here in in germany because um the scene is not always accessible mm. i would say And um, I don't know how you experience it, Buki. How accessible is it also to tap into into this market here, especially here in Germany? And and do you think that there's still also um, good access for your brand, the way you are working, or is it not yet that friendly? <laughs> it's honestly, it's not that friendly. It's really, really difficult. Um, and what I realized also in Germany, because before we were talking about African designers trying to be on a foreign market, to be valued in their own market, and it's actually the same in Germany. So wow. there are a lot of brands, when, when they are in another market, suddenly they are seen here in the German market, and that's the same feeling I have here. So wow. if you make it 
in France or New York or wherever, yeah. then suddenly the German Vogue or editors, yeah. they tr start to see you, but mm -hmm. before they're not interested. And mm -hmm. it's really hard here as well. Wow. Cherie, from your point of view, um, what needs to be done that brands can access markets? What is, what would you recommend companies or, or institutions, associations, um, politicians to look into? <laughs> tough question. Um, very tough question. <laughs> France is one of the only places where actually the, the state also um, supports the fashion industry. Um, and because there is such a huge amount of people who want to be fashion designers and have their brands and the uh, demand for this amount of small brands is just not so high and for them to get uh, publicity is a whole nother process and it I, I mean I studied fashion design and sometimes I thought it's so naive of people to think they could just make their own fashion brand because the truth is it's something you need a lot of money to be able to do um and yeah. for uh governments to invest in it there's not that much they get out of it i would say because there's uh, there's like übersättigt mark what is the english word <laughs> it <laughs> means like the a, market is really over flooded the it's market full. Yeah. yeah and so i think that's why though it's um You know, making great work visible is just such a, a key to this. And when I started Sustainable Fashion Matters, it was just to like show that there are these nice brands. Now we also do um, editorials uh, where we feature different brands. And that's great because people are looking for sustainable brands. They want to find them. Um, yeah. And also... Yeah, like we have a, a brand finder on our website. It's like one of our most popular pages because people just, they want to find find the sustainable. It's not that people aren't interested in finding it, but sometimes it's just hard to find them yeah. and uh, to find easily like what you're, you're looking for. Um, so... Yeah, I don't. I think I don't know. Could, it would be. I feel like if I would say the government should do this, it would be an unrealistic yeah. suggestion. Yeah. yeah, I think like the platform you have, or also the platform like Sustainable Fashion Matters, and also Fashion Africa now. These are important um, mm. tools because um, you make designers and brands visible. Yeah. And um, also through the events, I think it's what what like I realized when I took mm -hmm. part at the Appear event, it was one of the most empowering events I've ever been because I Thank met you. other like-minded designers and afterwards I had so much energy and power to move on with what I do. And um, I think that's one important thing that we can do. Yeah. Join forces, mm. create networks, um, support each other. Instead yeah. of um, like fighting, just mm. fighting against each other, because mm. no one can take it away when we support each other. Yeah. Also, especially as women. Yeah. And um, at the same time, I also think that there needs to be a change in, in the government or in the um, system. System. Because, as you said, in France, fashion has a totally different stand, and here. Um, Especially for small designers, we are not seen as artists, so we don't get the support like artists get. Yeah. We are seen like, we're on on the same level like companies like as Oliver, different kind of established brands. brands. And they do fashion, they do, like they create garments and it's a totally different field. And um, I think there needs to be a change. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I would agree to that. Yeah. And then I, I was just thinking, because, I mean, there are some things being worked on at the government, like mm -hmm. the Lieferkettengesetz, yeah. um, which I think, uh, so basically that's, they're trying to create a law um, to ensure uh, fairness down the production change and accountability for brands and responsibility. So I think putting 
um, this into practice already sets a different basis for what competition in the fashion market mm -hmm. looks like because then you know you you're the 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 level that um, you're working on uh, for example you're already at a high level when it comes to ethical practices and so that gives you um like puts you a bit ahead of the mm -hmm. the other brands so i think yeah actually implementing yeah responsible uh, yeah. ways of production is super important but also for any industry absolutely so, yeah <laughs> Wow, so good. Yeah, so we have on Fashion Africa Now podcast always two key questions at the end. I will start with you, Buki. Um, what does fashion mean to you? Fashion to me um, is a way of expressing myself and also a way to identify and um, to show my identity and my values at the same time. Okay. Shiri? That's so interesting. <laughs> I, I definitely, I agree with that, but also I use fashion as a tool a lot of the time. So how I, I mean, from, I used to work in a restaurant and I would almost always wear something, something mm -hmm. where there was a hole, but it would look like I was really like putting a lot of effort into it. And then I usually drop some line about how I'm studying and, you know, working so hard to do that to get more tips. <laughs> and then <laughs> so that was how I used fashion then, or let's say clothing. Um, and then, yeah, depending on, you know, if I have like a meeting with like some corporate kind of people, then I, you know, I wear my like blazer and my power suit and that gives me like a whole different feeling or, If you're having a bad day and you wear yellow, then automatically you're, it just puts you in a better mood. So for me, uh, clothing has a lot to do with being able to, um, uh, I think control is not the right word, but like have an influence on the way that I feel also yeah. about myself and also how I'm perceived. So uh, yeah, I For me, it's a tool. <laughs> yeah. And um, from your perspective, um, Cherie, how do you define your role in this movement? <laughs> Silence. Um, She's looking out of the wait. window. <laughs> Ooh, I, uh, I, I, I want a, a little minute to think about that. Um, maybe we can do like a cut here and then... <laughs> How do you define your role? It's so good. Eh? She's so interesting. Eh? How about you? It's me asking. Yeah, but it's also very interesting to know how you define your role. My role. No, I think I'm. I'm. I'm um, a game changer. I'm. I'm because me myself. I see myself as a visionary advocate, and I. I see my role as as uh, being a a bridge between, you know, different sides, different economies. So I I would say um, I'm out here to to inspire, educate, connect and to network at the same time. So it's about um, giving access, being accessible, being um, yeah the one who is um, also, you know, a little bit um, challenging or pushing forward, challenging discussions so we can um, really um, learn out of it, grow. And, and I think um, this, is, this is the role in this movement to, to connect and basically to shift from one end to another and push forward the culture yeah <laughs> now I, it's easier for me to answer the question <laughs> i mean we we I, in in ways we do like very similar work but um i think it definitely a role i uh that i is my role is to simplify things um so i try to soak up information and then simplify it so it's easy digest for Yeah. Anyone who doesn't have the amount of time uh, to spend looking into these subjects as I do to kind of, you know, get what get the picture and yeah. 
easy easily educate themselves so i think that's that's the main role of what i do with sustainable fashion matters in a way but at the also it's um more and more kind of trying to fuel this sense of collaboration so yeah rather than me trying to be the specialist of everything but like collaborate with other people who are specialists and yeah. who have great skills that i i don't have or i'm not as knowledgeable in rather than trying to make me do everything but like you know have your people where you know this is who to go to when i need to do this so yeah um or to yeah do uh project <laughs> <laughs> And Yubuki, how do you define your role in this movement? Um, yeah, kind of similar to you as well. So as I grew up in two totally different cultures, I definitely see myself um, as a woman or as a human um, who built bridges between the two different worlds because I experience both worlds and both cultures. Um, so I feel like I have um, an approach to both and can connect both and also um, open both cultures to be open for each other and of course education to educate people and um, as I am very very pri privileged that I grew up in Germany that I have a German passport um, it's my responsibility to be the difference and to make the change. So that's one, yeah, to be very, very responsible with what I do. That is good. Wow. Did you hear that? Amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. It was a pleasure talking to Cherie and Buki <laughs> on Fashion Africa Now podcast. You were, yeah, listening to Cherie from Sustainable Fashion Matters and you were listening to Buki, founder of Buki Akumolafe brand. And cool. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> You're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. We humbly ask you, To respect our intellectual property. We want to leave you inspired, informed, educated, connected. This is who we are. Fashion Africana Podcast. Get in touch with us on fashionafricanow.com.